And now, a highlight from Animal Radio on iHeartRadio. We just had a call about uh, some guy put some pesticide on his lawn, and his dog went out uh, over the pesticide while it was still active. Yeah. Don't think that's what caused problems for the dog, but that's a very dangerous thing to do. You got to wait for that stuff to dry, and sometimes wait a couple of days and yeah, you, check check the with the instructions. The thing is, is a lot of times if you walk your dog around the neighborhood, you don't know what your you neighbors don't know have what put other on their yard. Yes, it's hard to tell. It is. Uh, so apropos, we join right now with Dr. Anna Brutlog. She is the uh, Director in Veterinary Services and Senior Veterinary Toxologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So how many times uh, during the beginning of the year do you hear about these pesticides on lawns that uh, really mess with dogs? Oh, it's cats. daily. Absolutely. We get, we get a lot of questions. And because it's a lot of people use them, so therefore you're going to have a lot of exposure, which leads to a lot of questions. And it, thankfully, most of the pesticides that are used nowadays on lawns, for the most part, are pretty safe. But there still are a few standouts that we really worry about. Oh, like what? which ones should we be worrying about? Well, the ones that I worry about are typically not the herbicides necessarily. It's more the insecticides that are put on lawns. And one that we see particular problems with dogs in is it's insecticide granules with the active ingredient bifenthrin. So that's B as in boy, bifenthrin. And these are meant to, you know, they're really for the most part, um, you know, something that you broadcast on your lawn, and, and if an animal walks across a lawn and licks its feet, eh, you know, you, they typically can't get too much in that kind of exposure. But if the owner left that bag out and the dog got into that bag of product or they had a little pile on the yard trying to you know, trade an anthill or something like that, and the dog were to eat that pile of granules, then we can really see some pretty significant neurological effects. I just got a press release from you about Decon and their mice and rat killer and that they've changed the ingredients of their mice and rat killer. And how does that affect our animals? I mean, I would think it's dangerous any way you cut it. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to kill something. Right, exactly. And and so you're right. It is, you know, kind of, we worry about you know, anything that can poison a rat or a mouse can also poison a cat or a dog. They, we don't have things that just poison mice and spare other mammals. So, but the big change here is that Decon historically has always used blood thinner type rodenticides in their products. And what we liked about that as veterinarians is you, know, you never want to see an animal get into this stuff, but if they do, there's a very safe, easy, you know, rel- uh, cheap, easily reliable antidote that's available that all veterinarians have in there at their disposal. And so even if a dog you know, did get too much of the old decon, the blood thinner type, we could start them on the antidote and chances are they would do very well. With the new ingredient, it's called cholecalciferol, and that's also vitamin D3. So it's the same kind of vitamin D you, know, you and I make from sunshine. Animals need vitamin D because they're fur. They need to eat vitamin D. But you know, an overdose of vitamin D can be pretty hard on the kidneys. It can be hard on the heart. It can cause other blood, you know, other issues. And it's harder to treat those in a poisoning scenario than it was the old anticoagulant baits. So there's like no particular medicine that the veterinarians can serve up if they get in there. 
are. That's a good question, Hal. There are medicines that we can give, and and we do use them. So we do things like we give those pets IV fluids because what happens is they eat an overdose of vitamin D, and their blood calcium levels and their blood phosphorus levels get too high. And when your calcium and phosphorus get too high, those molecules combine and they form mineral. So it's almost like you think of these little guys as kind of turning to stone. You know, they lay down mineral deposits in the kidneys, mineral deposits in the heart, and those mineral deposits cause organ damage. So what we want to do as veterinarians is we want to get that blood calcium level back down to a normal level. And there are, we do that by using a lot of IV fluids. And there are some specific drugs that you can give that are helpful in most cases. And, but they're drugs that are given in the hospital. They're IV medications. So these animals usually end up spending more time in the hospital just simply to get all the medications that they need versus with our anticoagulants, they usually only had to spend maybe a day or two, you know, at the most in the hospital, unless it was a very, very severe case. So the switch over to this new formula with the vitamin D, was that meant to help save animals and it's having the reverse effect? Or that was just something that they just did not even caring about the other animals? Well, that's a great question because it does have kind of an interesting past. So the change was actually to help. They made this change because they had to comply with new EPA regulations. So in 2008 to 2011, EPA changed the rodenticide laws. And what they said is if you're going to have a rodenticide that's sold for use in someone's house, they call these the consumer rodenticide baits, if it's a consumer bait, it can have basically one of three types of ingredients. It can have these kind of more old school, essentially, anticoagulants. It can have vitamin D or it can have something called bromethylene, which is a neurotoxicant for which there is absolutely no antidote. So what DECON did is they said, well, First, we're going to try the kind of more old school anticoagulants, but they were, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy there because those have been tried in the past and they just, they aren't as effective. So they tried coming out with one of the kind of new, I should say new old school, but that's exactly what it was, anticoagulants. Unsurprisingly, it didn't work very well. So then they were faced with a choice. Do we put out vitamin D or do we put out bromethylin? And they chose what they felt was the safer option, which is vitamin D, because at least, again, there are some more treatment options for it. Okay, so many questions, so little time here. Uh, we got to take a quick break. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets, keeping them healthy and keeping them out of the toxin, whether that's insecticide of the lawn or something that's in the garage. With us is Dr. Anna Brutlog. She is the Senior Veterinary Toxicologist at the Pet Poison Helpline. We're coming up to our uh, winter months here. We're putting salt on the sidewalk, all kinds of chemicals on the sidewalk. We're putting antifreeze in the car. Is there a particular antifreeze that we should be looking at that's safer to have around? Because I know animals, especially dogs, they like to lick sweet stuff up. Or is there a particular salt or stuff we should be putting on our sidewalk as, as the snow approaches? Yeah, good question. For antifreeze, there is something out there, there's a couple different brands that make what's called a kind of quote-unquote pet-safe antifreeze. And the difference is that one is made from a chemical called propylene glycol, not from the traditional antifreeze, which is ethylene glycol. So these are cousin chemicals, but ethylene glycol is, causes much more damage to the kidneys than propylene glycol does. So what that means is a dog could drink more propylene glycol 
compared to traditional antifreeze before it would get sick. So it still can drink enough to get sick, cats too, but it takes a lot more of it to cause an issue. So that would be something that I would recommend for pet owners. But the bigger thing is just if you have any kind of antifreeze product in your garage, in your home, keep it out of reach. Because we see so many situations where a dog gets a hold of the bottle, especially a bigger dog, they find a bottle full of liquid, they want to chew on it, and that's how they get exposed or they get exposed while someone's out changing antifreeze in their transmission in the car and our transmission. Maybe that's not the right <laughs> You can tell I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> what is, but the antifreeze goes into. So, you know, they've got a bucket of used antifreeze or new antifreeze, and that's what the dog, you know, just sticks its head in the bucket and laps away. So that's where we see a lot of our issues. Hey, Dr. Anna, I, I have a question for you with my dad in mind. Um, he's got this massive garage, and he just turned 80, and he's got all of these old chemicals and bottles of this and that. I mean, he's got a cure for everything in the form of a chemical in there. So what are some of the older chemicals that we should stay away from that might still be really dangerous these days? Yeah, well, you know, frankly, antifreeze is still up there. It's been around for a long time. Um, but some of the other older ones, like older pesticides, especially older insecticides or older um, systemic flower care. So, like, for example, there used to be this product that you would put on roses, for example, or specifically. It was a rose and flower food. You'd put it on the rose. The rose is meant to suck it up through its roots, and it's an insecticide. So if an insect is pestering the rose, you know, it's going to die because of the insecticide that's in the rose. And so some of those older products, they don't make them anymore, probably quit making them, yeah, I don't know, five, seven years ago. But those can be extremely toxic to cats and dogs. Mm. So stuff like that, old um, pool chemicals, those are other things that are just really concentrated that can be a problem when cats and dogs get into them too. So yeah, those old, that old stuff, there's a good host of problems out there. That's not to mention any of the older populations, medications and pharmaceuticals, which is another whole topic of toxicities. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, well, we're out of time, but I've learned so much from you. The PetPoisonHelpline.com is the website. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Dr. Anna Brutlog, you know how everyone has a, a doppelganger, you know, a visual, do- like somebody that looks like them? You sound exactly like Nancy Cartwright. And do, do you know who she is? No. Yes. I will have to look her up. It's good to have an audio doppelganger. I've never thought about that. <laughs> Say don't have a cow man. <laughs> I don't have a cow man. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. You're, Next time, I'll be prepared. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. You're listening to Animal Radio. Visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.